Oh, one of my all-time favorites right there. A band called The Grid out of the UK from the early 90s, maybe even the late 80s. Starts to get fuzzy when I start thinking back that far. A song called Swamp Thing as we kick off episode 185 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. My name is Brian Oak. Across from me, one Sean Bernard, really sort of at my 2.30 over there. But how are you, Sean? I'm doing fine, except for what is with all your chasing music? What do you it's mean, another song music? where it sounds like somebody's being chased. What? I, like a Starsky and Hutch. It's just got energy, know, man. It's got movement to it. It propels things forward. That's what people want. They want dynamism. They want they want excitement. Don't they? They want to be chased. Well, so it's funny you mention that. Not because chased, but chased. <laughs> chased as in by wild animals yeah, as opposed it. to chased like living a quiet and reclusive life. Correct. I see. My daughter, who is a very, very clever individual, um, I drove her to school for many years, have driven her many other places. She refuses to get her license. She's going to be 23 next month and refuses to get her license. So I remain uh, sort of the home Uber service, but working for much more reasonable rates than your standard Uber does. But every every time we live just off the parkway in South Minneapolis and every time we go by somebody who's really getting after their workout and running as hard as they can, clearly left the house without a shirt and they are moving my daughter just looks at him and shakes their head and she's like what are you running from <laughs> i'm just not on a exactly a schedule no Dad. you're running but what are you what are you running from you know you can't escape yourself she's a very clever kid uh it is the brian oak show it's made possible in fact we're out recording right now in the smart start mn studio here in glorious south minneapolis it is perfect out today by the way it really is 76 degrees low dew point not a cloud in the sky a perfect late summer day out there could be much warmer could be much worse but it's gorgeous out there today and here we are in the smart start mn studio near 48th in chicago in beautiful south minneapolis smart start mn is the primary sponsor for the brian oak show podcast they have been providing minnesotans for a very long time now with an option should you get a dui should someone you know get a dui they can get you back into your vehicle they are the progenitors of the ignition interlock company here in minnesota yeah and ed if you're listening right now that was a push-off by the tampa bay receiver which allowed them to go first and 10 at the end of the game Dad, you know what I'm talking about. That was a push-off. Did you guys have money on the game? We didn't, but we're going back and forth on the social media about uh, whether or not that was a push-off. I'm uh-huh. like, why are you defending the Patriots? Or the, uh, not even the Patriots, the no. Bucks. Why are you defending the Bucks? Right. You shouldn't be defending them. Anyway, if you want a deal on your ignition interlock, <laughs> go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. Well, they're cool. Apparently, they dig sports. That part I didn't know, but they're both huge music heads, both Mike and Ed, and they're cool people. We work with them, and we've worked with them for almost two years because we like them very much, and if you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, please contact smartstartmn.com. I am excited about the return of the NFL, by the way. Yeah, I'm not a sporto. I don't really care about any sports at all, but I do love the NFL, if for no other reason. Even if the Vikings are in a complete tailspin and the second half of their season is a wash... It's a built-in excuse for me to have to do nothing for three hours almost every Sunday. Yeah, and I'm kind of a Viking guy, and I don't usually watch any other NFL, but I was just plain bored last night. Well, it was exciting. It's the beginning of the season. That yeah, was the very know, first regular season I game. I wanted to, to catch the fever. 
And did you? Nah, not really, but... Well, you were able to fight with somebody about armchair quarterbacking, man. You know it. That's the whole bit. Our guest today is someone who has been on the show before with some other bandmates. She's part of a very popular Twin Cities band, but she's been playing for a long time, and she plays with a lot of different people. Barb Brinstead will be our guest here, and we're going to talk to her very shortly. But first, let's get a song real quick before we get into it. I was thinking about cover songs earlier today, and there are so many great cover songs where... The, the most popular version comes out by someone who did not do it initially. And a lot of times, you know, you get someone, some know-it-all like me who tells you, like, you know, that was originally done by and nobody likes that guy. No. So I try not to do that. But I was much older than I should have been before I found out that the original version of this song was by this guy right here. Now, his version wasn't the original version, but he did he did actually write this song, later recorded it, but it was Deep Purple who made this song mm-hmm. very, very popular, but it was, in fact, uh, not Deep Purple who wrote the song, but one guy named Joe, Joe South, a great song called Hush, as we get into the Brian Oak Show. You got to feel it. I feel it. Dog 
Originally written by Joe South, originally recorded by Billy Joe Royal. Who? But yeah, Billy Joe Royal, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then later on, Deep Purple would turn it into kind of a major hit on both sides of the pond, but originally done by Joe South. Those are the kind of little fun stories that I love learning, whether it be working at a record store, hanging out with other music heads. You know, A, the song has to be good, but I also I love hearing those stories behind the scenes of who did what and what connects oh, yeah. to who. Absolutely. Yeah? Hell yeah. You agree? I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just wish Behind the Music wouldn't have ruined everything. Well, Behind the Music was always a little... I, it was, there was interesting stuff in there, but they tended towards the TMZ end That's of things. That's what like, I didn't like. It's like, come on. I but don't, of course, you know. no one saw the darkness looming next on Behind the Music. I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Our guest today is Barb Brinstead. She's been on the show before along with her bandmates in the band Turn, Turn, Turn. But I believe we were still definitely very much in lockdown at that point. And so you were not here in the Smart Start MN studio. So it's nice to see you face to face, Barb. How nice are you? Nice to see you. Great to be here. Good. We're all back out in the world now but of course suddenly everyone's scared again how do you feel about things right now you all right uh (laughs) (laughs) that's a good answer actually i feel like that answer is a little more accurate than most people are giving i'm putting a stake in the ground brian are you Uh, okay (laughs) i like that and we'll and we'll circle back around to that barb before we go on um you know we had a chance to talk to you before when you were in here with your turn 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 bandmates but Everybody who ever comes in on their own, the very first part, we have to get to know them a little bit better. So can I dig into your background just a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Where were you born? Here in Minneapolis. Very good. At the Swedish Hospital, which do you know what it is now called? Um, No. Hennepin County Medical Center. I do. Look at that. I didn't. That used to be the Swedish Hospital. Right. Okay. Did you have to be Swedish to be born there? No. But, okay. it, but it helped. <laughs> Preferential treatment. Well, everybody was Swedish back then. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, we're all Swedish. <laughs> so you were born and raised Minnesotan. Correct. And you've lived here your whole life? For the most part. Okay. I've, I've traveled a little bit and I've lived away from home for a year or two. Not very long. Let's talk about growing up. Was that in Minneapolis as well? It was in the lovely suburb, first ring suburb of Crystal, I'm Minnesota. Familiar. I'm familiar. Mm-hmm. Very good. So you grow up, and at some point, because I mean, for people who don't know who Barb Brinstead is, she has played with an incredible array. I mean, turn, 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 obviously, if that was the only thing you'd ever done musically, that would still be brilliant, but it's only the latest thing you've done in a long, long line of incredible people that you've worked with and music that you've created and done yourself, but at some point, music has to be a thing. Do you first start out as a kid digging through records and becoming a fan, listening to the radio? How does music begin to make it has to make a certain type of impact on your life for it to become your life's work. Right, right. right. Well, so uh, I I started out with piano lessons when I was eight, but I totally washed out of piano lessons. In fact, just because you hated practicing? Uh, or no, you... I, you know what? The teacher told my mom I was sort of hopeless. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not encouraging. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think I hated the, the concept of a recital. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if she was just the wrong teacher or I didn't like reading music. What I've learned as an adult is that I'm very much an ear player. And so, um, and I don't, I can read music, but not well. Uh, and I tend to play by ear, but I washed out. Um, I, and you know what? Honestly, I grew up listening to really bland music, like AM radio, basically. Um, but I would like to, before you go too much beyond that, you know, I, it's not like interesting or the most challenging in the world. AM back then was the home of the hits, right? But 
among pop radio, there's still some brilliance in there. I mean, there are things that you'll still wake up with that hook in your head, which means it's not entirely bland. There's something there. Right. I mean, I think that informs how I write music now. Uh, like, for example, I was telling you earlier that the first 45 I bought was uh, a, by a band called Pilot called oh. Magic, which is like the catchiest damn song. As in O-O-O, yeah. it's magic? and they're hand claps, so come on, well, you I, know. I, see, I'm not mad at that kind of music. Now, do I want to hear that song every single day? No. Yeah. If it comes up in the mix, would I be delighted? Absolutely. Right. Adults love hearing that now. Oh, so. man. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think it was... Uh, what about Player? Adults. Baby, come back. Yeah. Baby, come okay. back. There's oh. one song I can't it. stand from my childhood. But I got a few of them, but go ahead. Okay, Terry Jack's Seasons in the Sun. Oh, yeah. that song. Yeah. A lot of kids had that on a 45 and played the hell out of it on their little plastic record player. I have a really unfortunate and disturbing story about that song that oh, I'd like no. to tell real quick. Um, so I know what you mean, that we had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the B-side of that 45, which I also own, uh, is most unfortunately named. And I'm not sure if it's the story of a dog or what it is, <laughs> but it was later covered by our own hometown heroes, Golden Smog. And that song is called Put the Bone In. And... I believe it's told from the perspective of a canine, but I, I, I don't I don't know that for a fact. Of course. But huh. it, it always disturbed me every wow. time I flip it over, and because I, for the first time I ever heard the song is Dave Perner singing along with Golden Smog to that particular track. So I'm sorry I really derailed it and brought this show to already. Are there claps no, in that song? I, don't, I can't remember where the hand the claps are. In. <laughs> I think he made that up. I did make that up. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna listen to that song as soon as this so interview. We may have to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, yeah. we may have to play a little bit of it. Anyway, um, so I, I think we all have those two, right? Like for me, earlier today, I went and grabbed some lunch, and I love classic rock. I grew up on so much of that stuff, and Seeger came on. And when I was a kid, Seeger was everywhere. My dad loves Seeger, so I am so saturated with Bob Seeger. And when Night Moves came on, I actually asked the person behind the counter if we could change the music, and they said no, they didn't know how to do that. So <laughs> I got to listen to Night Moves earlier. But anyway, there's a lot of that stuff that you love. So yeah. you wash out of piano. You, yeah. however, are obviously like a, radio. a yeah. fan of music. So when does that translate to you finding to me actually an instrument? Playing. Well, right. are, are you being able to articulate your love of music? Yeah. So um, the one group that I did love and I couldn't get enough of was the Beatles. Uh, my stepdad had their albums, and so I listened to them. And so at some point when I was a teenager, and I was in choir uh, when I went to, and I had actually had a lead in one of the, the high school play. I whoa, 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 of, what yeah. musical? Because I'm a huge musical where's fan. Where's Charlie? Okay. I don't know where's Charlie, but you Did had Char- Charlie's aunt. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. Did the we lead. know? One of the leads, yes. So, well, you blossomed early then, because you don't just get handed a lead in a high school. Even, was, even in high well, school. We, it was a small school. Okay. <laughs> and you could, you know, you could carry a tune. Well, that helps. You know, I could carry tune. a tune, but uh, I was singing Shirley Jones's part, uh-huh. at which she's a s- soprano, and obviously I'm not a soprano. <laughs> so um, my voice cracked every single night of the performance. Oh. Anyway, but did it feel good? Did you love doing it? Yeah, except for yeah, except for throwing up before and after every well, show. Well, of course you're going to be nervous. I mean, you're young, and performance is performance. There's always going to be Who that said part. She was nervous. Maybe she was drunk. Well, I guess <laughs> or there's high. that. Or high. <laughs> it could be. 
or maybe maybe just ate, <laughs> ate some food that didn't agree with yeah. you before every single performance. Um, but but you uh, clearly music is starting to become a part of who you are, and it started to inform yeah, you. Yeah. So as a teenager, I actually started writing songs in my head before I actually played an instrument. And what I would do is we had these deck-to-deck cassette players. And so I would sing the harmonies on one, and then I would bounce the tape over and put another tape in. And I would do all of the... I'm sorry, I would sing the melodies, and then I would do the harmonies. And um, Wait a minute. You were doing multi-tracking on just a home deck-to-deck system? Yeah. Really? What a badass. Honest to God, that's pretty (laughs) incredible. I mean, because... Or a weirdo. Well, no, I recorded a bunch of stuff on the little play and record at the same time thing where I was pretending to do radio shows, but that's a different animal. I mean, doing, how old are you when you decide you're going to just invent your own multi-tracking device? Yeah, it was, I was like 16 or 17 and I honestly, well, so there were many things going on at that time in the world and in Minnesota in particular. First of all, we didn't have access to um, a lot of the alternative music that, that we now do. So I remember the first time I heard New Order's Blue Monday. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what right. is nice. this? <laughs> it's so cool. And then, it, and I think it was through the University of Minnesota radio station. I can't remember where. But my friends and I started finding this music that was happening that you couldn't generally hear on the radio and it was hard to find. And I knew at that time that I needed to go where that music was coming mm-hmm. from, which was London at the time. So um, I took a, I went to London for a, a semester for study abroad. And up until that point, I had been playing the tennis racket. That was my gateway instrument to the guitar. So really more of an air guitar. Yeah. Because, I mean, you really Air can't... guitar was big in those days, too. Well, I mean, you can't really amplify a tennis racket. You can, but it doesn't sound great. But I got my moves down. How, well, that, but that's a part of it, right? I mean, presentation <laughs> big, big is part honestly, of it. Honestly, I got my Pete Townsend jumps down. Nice. <laughs> How was your windmill? Pretty good? <laughs> yes. Excellent. Okay, good. So, so you're in London, and in, you're in college at this point. Right? Yes. And so you are in London. What is it you're ostensibly studying while you're in London? Oh, hell, if I can remember, I can't remember. Okay. I mean, but I, you, I, had you declared a major or anything uh, like that? Or no. you just like, no, nah, I'm just going to London? No, it was like a study uh, for a semester in London and learn about and these different things. It was the best thing I could have done. I tell people, if you can do that, mm-hmm. it was in the early 80s. So it oh was, when it was, gosh, when it was all happening. I know, and, oh, I know. I mean, the cure, I saw some, I was a oh. member of the Marquee Club in London and I saw like Lords of the New Church when mm-hmm. I was there. REM had just released oh, Reckoning. I saw REM at this teeny tiny club there. What? And that's where I heard on the radio a band called Aztec Camera. Uh-huh. And uh, when I heard that guitar and it was an acoustic guitar, I was like, all right, I need to learn how to play guitar and that's when i taught myself how to play guitar you were in it's always been one of the coolest cities on the planet but i mean you were there in the crucible Mm -hmm. of one of the coolest eras totally in modern western music and i mean that just and it was aztec camera that propelled you to that that is kind of funny because i mean i went to the bat cave for fun you know i knew i hung out with goth people and um, I mean, we went all over the city for music, but yeah. um, but yeah, it is kind of funny that that obviously that struck a chord. No pun intended. Oh, 
I don't even think it's funny because back when I was the moody kid with the asymmetrical new wave haircut and the trench coat and the peg jeans and the Converse high top in high school, there was a lot of pretty stuff that I enjoyed as well. I mean, Echo and the Bunnymen put out oh, some very oh, pretty music. I saw them Stop in Liverpool. I saw them in Liverpool. I went to Liverpool. Oh. To see them. Yeah. I mean, that's where they're from. So, yes. oh, I took a train and from in London. That era, I mean, we're talking about like the porcupine and the crocodiles mm-hmm, era right there. Mm-hmm. I am having some of the worst FOMO I've ever had in my entire life. And you life took right a now. train there. How yeah, great it, it is was. That? Yeah, it was. You had to. You had to eat at this chip chippy, which is a, a fish and chips yeah shop. And um, get your ticket redeemed or something, and then you went to the show. But yeah, at, years later, I they saw you to eat the fish and chips. <laughs> I saw the the lead singer at First Avenue, and and we chatted. And I can't remember Ian. Ian McCulloch. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? No, I had a really good. I didn't learn Jack, but. Uh- I would argue that you maybe did not advance your academic career at all, but that you probably learned a tremendous amount while you were abroad. Yes, and I learned, most importantly, how to get my hair to stand straight up with sugar water. Yeah. Someone, I remember asking one time a person I met at an all-ages show that had one of the most glorious cartoonish mohawks I'd ever seen. I'm like, how do you do that? They're like, raw eggs and water. Yeah. I'm, I'm like... Doesn't that start to smell bad at some point, or don't you have to wash it out? They're like, oh, it takes hours to wash out. Yeah. So sugar water, the sugar, same bit? Sugar water is super cheap. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I, I wouldn't do that now, but um, I'm very protective of the hair that I have. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I had a blast. And I some of my best stories are from the, the six months. And then I came back to Minnesota for the summer, and then I went to Paris for the, for the following year. And I um, went to the Sorbonne for a short time, dropped out. Of course. And the Sorbonne, uh, you can't just sign up to go in there, though. I mean, you had to qualify to get in there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was another study abroad program. Okay. But back in those days, it was easier to take out student loans and use them to not pay for school. Right. So, <laughs> really more of a per diem, if you will, exactly. to get around Europe. Right, right. Exactly. So, so yeah, I was completely immersed in alternative music and the music that was coming out of Europe at that time. So I, and I decided at some point it looked like it was more fun being on stage than being a spectator. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I I decided I'm going to actually learn to play an instrument and I'm going to be on stage. I want to learn more about how you devoted yourself to your studies and how that translates into you working with such a wide array of artists in the modern day and age, like Chastity Brown, Tina Schleski, mm. who's fantastic, Willie Wisely, the great, late Willie Murphy, many others. Uh, but before we do that, I have to mention one more sponsor real quick, and that would be Forgotten Star Brewing. Forgotten Star Brewing, the latest sponsor to sign on to be a part of the Brian Oak Show podcast. And you and I, in one week's time, one week from tomorrow, we're recording this on a Friday, on Saturday the 18th, you and I are going to be there to help them launch their Oktoberfest weekend. Yeah, we'll be there from 3 to 9. There's going to be some uh, great bands there throughout the day. Uh, Brian will be there for autographs. I don't... Nobody wants my autograph. <laughs> just kidding. I, Does you, anybody... Like, as an adult, why would you want another... Uh, I just will never understand the autograph. A picture thing. is fine, and yeah. I, I'm still even sort of bewildered when somebody wants a picture. I'm like, can you see what you're looking at right here? This is what you want a picture with. All right. But again... So that would be available, but really what you're going to want to do is avail yourself of the fine brews that they have there, of their amazing facility, both indoor and out. If you're a dog person, they are dog-friendly indoor and out. They're really good people, and they literally have a huge and wonderful lineup all weekend long to help launch Oktoberfest. I know, it's weird, but it happens in 
mid-September. So if you want to know more, ForgottenStarBrewing.com. And hopefully you'll come out and join us next week because we'd love to see you out there. It's on the border of Minneapolis and Fridley. You can see downtown Minneapolis through their glorious windows. And when you approach, you might be like, am I in an industrial park? And the answer will be yes, and by railroad tracks. But you'll see those two iconic stacks pointing right up into the sky. And it's a very cool place. And if you come out and join us, we'll tell you the story behind that forgotten star. Before we come back and talk a little bit more about your musical ascendancy, Barb, I want to know why you picked this next one, because this is a name I've heard my whole life. And other than the fact that he had sort of a famed series of duets with Roberta Flack, I don't really know anything about Donny Hathaway. Yeah, so I I picked this one because I love the bass line. Mm -hmm. So obviously, um, this is a remake of a song, but I love how the bass player, I actually love how the whole band performs this song. Um, And Willie Weeks is is really a big influence for me in terms of playing bass. I picked it because this is one of the songs that I've always wanted to play live in a band and I've never been able to, to play. So, and everybody out there in Radioland, if you want to form a band with me, I would love to play this song. That's it. Too many of you right here. 
going on Growing up for me, there was not really ever much other than like the the superstars. There wasn't a lot of R and B and soul in my household, so no, it was same. a real it was a real blind spot for me up until I don't know the last ten fifteen years. And now recently working at the record store, I kind of go out of my way to grab something I don't know and throw it on. And it's happened with Donny Hathaway a couple times. And there are certain artists that it, it there's obviously a craft and a skill and a raw talent there, but it just sounds so effortless and so beautiful and it, it's so transportative, if that's a word. You know it what I mean? Now. Well, I, I, welcome to the world, transportative. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's amazing to hear that. And I understand what you mean about the bass part there. So, Barbara, instead, you wash out at the piano at a very young age. You began to hone your craft with a tennis racket. Do you happen to remember the brand name of the tennis racket? It was a Chris Everett. Of course I do. Of course it was. <laughs> I mean, you look. You it spent, was wooden, too. Well, I, they started wooden and then they went the other way right. metal fiberglass whatever <laughs> but i mean like you know like everyone remembers their first guitar so at some point though you obviously start taking music very seriously it's in your head you're writing songs you need to commit yourself to an instrument i know that you play both bass and guitar right what was your first love what was the first instrument that you remember feeling like okay now it's beginning to happen well so like many bass players i picked up the bass because there were too many guitar players mm-hmm. so yep i started playing um guitar which I still love, uh, but I, obviously I grew to love the bass, and so I, I like the bass better now. If I were really good at guitar, I would probably love playing guitar. Um, but but for me, part of it is just being proficient and not feeling awkward when you're playing the instrument. Mm-hmm. So bass is pretty easy for me. Well, and bass is an interesting instrument to me because I think a lot of people think of the rhythm section as, well, you got to have it there, but really all the action, all the flair, all the fancy drama is happening on the guitar and with the vocal position. But bass is crucial and mm-hmm. drums are crucial. Mm-hmm. Without that foundation, there's not really anything there. And as long as you don't take it too far, you know, as long as you're not going Getty Lee on it, right? Right. You, I mean, you bass playing can be extremely interesting and add levels of depth to a song that otherwise might not be there. And again, I don't pretend to understand all the intricacies of being a bass player, but I am aware that when a, a band has a good bass player, they're a lot better than they would be otherwise. Yeah, it's, it is the foundation. And I always say the most important member of the band Maybe aside from the vocalist is the drummer. Mm-hmm. The drummer drives the bus, mm-hmm. and and the drummer sets the the beat and everything. And that time is so important. But then right along with that, when the drums and the bass are locking in together, um, it, it just it makes for a really good solid performance it's the swing it's the backbeat it's it's literally the foundation i feel that like maybe just adjacent to that not quite as foundational is a good rhythm guitarist like i know everyone everyone loves the flashy soloist and everything going all over but i think of malcolm young from acdc yeah he was the bedrock of that band. Without him, there's not room for all that other, the rest of that garden to bloom on top of it. And so it's right down there with it, with the bass and with the drum. So you start playing bass. You go to Paris. You have the time of your life. You are now internationally informed and you've had all these great experiences. You come back here. What happens next when you come back to the Twin Cities? Well, so the scene in Minneapolis at that time was really starting to blossom. So, um, Are we talking 84, 85? Yeah, I would say probably mid-80s, okay. right? Right. So there was a lot going on uh, in Minneapolis. And so 
you know, everybody was starting a band. <laughs> good for them. Right? Yay, that's why because, we got so many good ones at that time. Right, because punk rock. Yeah. I mean, so everybody felt empowered to start a band. So I just put, started playing music and buying instruments. Um, and I think we practiced in my parents' living room Tell in North Minneapolis. What band are we in right now? Oh, my gosh. they uh, The names are so ridiculous. Uh, that's stupid. why I'm asking, because I, I love when <laughs> people's early band names are terrible. And it's one of my favorite things about <laughs> everyone's story. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Look, we're going to have a breakthrough, Barb. We're going to have a breakthrough. I think one of them was called Fishwife. I have no <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with fish wife? Uh, I love it. I was a, I was I a women's it. studies major. I oh think that has God. something See, but, to I mean, do with that. Fish wife is fish a wife. thing. Was it an all female band? No, it wasn't. But uh, but were you up front? But we were in charge. The women were in charge. Hell yeah, you um, were. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we wrote silly, stupid songs. I do think I have some tapes of those, uh, and then I can't remember some of the other ones but oh you're um, just saying that because you're yeah, so embarrassed lying. about I'm totally fish lying. you can tell <laughs> because you, you suddenly stopped making eye contact yeah, I'm right. looking down no, I'm looking around yeah at the I can't ceiling. really remember that and it was blah 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 blah, blah, blah. okay well let's move and then past cut to <laughs> let's move past the era that you are inappropriately embarrassed by because I love those stories and but I think it's an important part of the narrative right yeah. you don't get to be influential and important and play with no names without grinding your teeth right I mean like everybody's got to put the hours in you have to do the stupid stuff to get to the good stuff in my humble opinion yes absolutely yeah so uh so i'm looking forward to hearing those fish <laughs> uh, you know what yeah. next time i come on i'll bring them oh they're so bad promises um, are good <laughs> I'm just a snippet. We gotta hear. I want to hear. I'm just a snippet of Fishwife. So you know, everybody wanted to play back in those days. So I remember pulling friends from high school in Andy Wolf, um, who uh, as is actually a roadie now, a guitar tech for Cheryl Crow. Wow. Yeah. uh, You know, any friend who would like be in my band. Uh, But then I found a a group of women, um, and we called the band Speed of Rain. And uh, that's when we really started to play out a lot and get noticed. Uh, and we broke up for a time. Then I joined Green Pyramids. Oh, I have Green Pyramid CDs on the wall yes. in my basement. Yeah, yeah. So I played with them for a little while <clears throat> and then left them and then went back with Speed of Rain. But, um, but, but yeah, that's when, you know, the sad thing about that time is I only played one type of music, and that was alternative, the music that was mm-hmm. happening at that time. And I mean, but, but alternative is also a pretty large umbrella. I mean, were you going like cure gothic bass? Were you going groovy, upbeat, red hot chili peppers oh, bass? I it mean, was like, what did you like to play? Part of the problem, it was all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, I wish we would have had a producer to help us define this, the sound because we were, were like, all right, the next song is going to be our punk rock song and this is going to be our heavy metal song and then this is going to be our melodic Beatles song right. so if you listen to our our tapes from those days they're really all over the place which I think can be a little problematic but I I was actually not a great bass player my technique was bad my music theory was terrible I didn't actually I'm embarrassed to admit this but I didn't actually know the notes on the neck. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because you said you mostly play by ear. And I know a lot of very successful musicians have done that. But then when you talk about the wide array of people you've played with, a lot of times they'll be like, all right, we're going to count this off. We're going to go in E in three, two, one. But if you don't know where E is, pretty hard for you to jump in. Right. I mean, so 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, so like the third fret, you know, right, I mean, right. I knew I knew patterns, but I didn't know what or shapes, I should say. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were called. Now I do. But um, but that was OK back then. And that is the one regret I have about playing as a young person that I tell all people, all young people now is try to try to learn as much as you can. Right. Don't uh, like push yourself like I didn't stretch. I didn't push myself. I was really comfortable in this small little zone, not practicing a lot. Um, but I but I would if I could go back in time, I would change all of that. Put a finer point on that for me, because, you know, I get people asking me like, hey, if I want to go into radio first, I say, first of all, don't because it's contracting and there won't be any jobs by the time you get there. But for someone, there always will be more room for more people to play music. What do you think for someone young and listening and like, all right, if I'm going to take my craft seriously, should they study theory? Should they take lessons on the regular? Should they be practicing daily? What are the things that you think would give a young person the best leg up to start playing a music? That that obviously doesn't guarantee international acclaim and stardom, but if they want to be good at their instrument, if they want to take their craft seriously, what do you feel are some of those most important early steps? Sure. Yeah, well, I can tell you what I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I set aside the bass for 13 years. Wow. And yeah, so I raised my daughter. I I got a master's degree. I built my career. Um, I didn't pick up my bass. And and at one point when she was 13, I, I decided I wanted to actually do what you just said is mm-hmm. that was a regret in my life that I never really mastered the bass and I was embarrassed to say I was a bass player. So here's what I did. I found the best bass player in town to give me lessons and that's Jim Anton. So wow. he gave me lessons for three years every week for three years. Um, I, and did he bust your chops to make sure you were practicing? He, like if you showed up the next week, was he mad if you didn't work? You know, he wasn't. He was really good. But uh, here's the other piece. You have to sort of be obsessed about it. Right. And I was. So I call it my teenage boy years. You know, I practice <laughs> like a teenage boy. Yeah. You know how they go into their bedroom oh, and yeah. they shut their door and they yep. don't come out. So every day for three years, at least three to five years I came home from work and I practiced for three hours Monday through Friday. Wow! And then um, I I think I have OCD. And then, but I mean, it's a second job, but you wanted it. Yeah, I really wanted it. And then on Saturdays I would practice for five hours, and Sundays I would practice for five hours. So I did that religiously, and my friends all knew that they so they knew not to sort of bother me by asking me to do fun things right. with them. <laughs> yeah, we don't call Barb anymore. Right. She's Pretty much. Playing like a they know that she's taking I, the bass for a they while. They know when I put my mind to something and you you kind of have to have that personality which mm-hmm. I don't think I had that when I was younger. The other thing that I wanted and this is what I told Jim when I started taking lessons. I wanted to learn as many different styles of music and I wanted to learn music theory too. Um, uh, I wanted to learn to read music better. And so that's the other thing I tell people, don't limit yourself. I mean, I can see people are really super comfortable in this one lane over here. But boy, I mean, Jim is the one who turned me on to uh, the song that we just heard and and the one we're going to hear coming up. Um, So it, it just expanded my musical vocabulary tremendously when I when I went outside my comfort zone. And then the last thing that I did that a lot of people don't want to do, especially middle-aged women, go outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. and do things that scare the crap out of you. And I, by playing with people like Willie Murphy, mm. 
who was uh, an old curmudgeon by the time I was playing <laughs> with him. But a living legend. A legend. And I miss him terribly. And I loved him dearly. But you would get up on stage. And first of all, you didn't know what you were going to play until you arrived at the show. So he had That's like terrifying. Uh, I'm th- so he had like um, he had a catalog of maybe 50 songs at that time. You would get to the performance not knowing what you're going to play. So you had to practice all those. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're very some of them are very complicated and original. And there would be 14 songs that you would play. And then that night, which is usually a three hour gig. He would throw three to five songs at you that you've never heard before. And you just had to play them. Wild. Yeah, he'd go, it's just this. And he'd like bang it out on his left hand and you'd have to listen. And this is where my ear came yes. in really because I'd just listen. I go, OK, I got it. Um, but that scared me. I mean, one of my friends came to one of the first shows and he said, you could see the terror in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, one of those incredible learning experiences, you know, I learned early on doing radio. Every time they asked me to do something I was certain yes. I could not do, yeah. I said yes. Yes, always and say I, yes. I was mm-hmm. terrified. It wasn't always brilliant. Right. But I lived every single time, didn't die, managed to keep going, and I learned something every single yes. time. So I love that piece of advice. I remember early on, one of the first few weeks I had seen MTV when I went to college because we never had it at home. Jovi was giant at the time. Slippery and Wet was huge. And there was one little thing that they did. They had a backstage thing where someone pulled him aside and they're like, what would you say to anybody who wants to do what you do? And he looked right in the camera and he's like, literally anybody can be a rock star. But then he like looked really intently into the heart of the camera and said, but you can't ever take a day off. If you want to relax, totally. if you want a vacation day, yep. if you feel like maybe I don't have to put everything I have into this, you're never going to make it. Anybody can be a rock star. And he turned around and walked away. And that stuck with me because I think that's true no matter what it is you do with yeah, your life. You right? really, I mean, because there's so many people out there and you, you really do have to be obsessed and you have to work. I, I say, I tell people and they say, what does it take? I'm like, oh, it's simple. It takes two things, time and effort. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of it. A lot of both so, of them. Yeah. I mean, and that's when I came back, I wanted to be good. I didn't want to be okay. I wanted to be a really good bass player. And so I knew as an adult, because then now I had worked all these years and I knew what it takes to sort of rise to the top. Right. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Have you read the book from Malcolm Gladwell? Yes. Outliers? So I kept talking about my yes. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours to be proficient yeah. in anything. And I kept going, can I somehow like get past that faster, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like I remember when I started playing, I was in my forties and I'm, uh, I'm like, okay, I want to be good, this good within a year. And now I look back and I laugh because you just can't, you, there's no, no you, you can't, just have to, you do have to do it and, and grind it out and grind it out. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think the, the thing that most people, um, especially with music and I didn't know this in my twenties, you really have to do that. Did there's you, no substitute. Did you have times where you felt like you stalled out and then did you also have equally as exciting times when you had breakthroughs? Yeah. So plateaus are pretty typical yeah. with playing music. Mm-hmm. And I think I did, but I got to tell you, I'm still getting better. You know, I, I can still see the more I play and I'm not playing uh, nearly as much as I did before, obviously. But um, I, I still feel like I'm getting better and I can get much better. I know a lot of people sort of they, they sort of plateau and then they, they get a little bit stuck and I can't say that really happened to me, but there maybe the reason why is I just kept moving. I mm-hmm. you right, Brian, and that you talk to any really good musician, they never say no. 
you say yes mm-hmm. to everything. And and I had, if I didn't grow in, like if I was regressing, if it was a band where it was too easy, that's when I said no. Right. But I, I said yes to anything that scared me. My favorite, and then we will get to this next song, I promise, but I just, I love these stories because I think, again, I think that it applies to no matter what you want to do in life, there are lessons throughout this that will apply and make you better. You don't have to be the most naturally gifted in the world, but you show up every single day, you put in all of the work, and you do have to really want it no matter what it is. And I know I've told the story on the podcast before, but just very quickly, I've probably interviewed more than a thousand artists or bands Mm -hmm. in the course of my career. To this day, in the top five quotes I've ever gotten all time from any of those artists came from Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Mm. I had him on the phone. Uh, he was not in person, but I talked to him about, you know, you've literally had number one albums. You've gone number one worldwide. You've had sold out worldwide tours. You've made the millions. You've topped all the charts. You have dominated MTV. You've done everything that a professional musician sets out to do. What is it that still excites you about playing music? What is it that motivates you in the modern era? And he took a minute, he took a breath, he's like, you know, Brian, one of these days, I'd really like to sit down and really learn how to play this guitar. (laughs) Which, I mean, you think about their debut album, and I mean, they came out fully formed, they came out amazing, but I I don't get the impression he was messing with me. I don't get the impression that he was being insincere. I get the impression that no matter what you do, you never, there's not Valhalla, there's not Shangri-La, you don't get to the point where you can just go, ta-da, it's it's literally, (laughs) I've arrived, if you're creative, or no matter what, there's, it's a never-ending journey, truly, yeah, there's not a finish line, no, and And that was, that was was a mind-bender for me, oh yeah, and that's something I figured out, I mean, when I started uh, in my 40s, I, I did think that I would get to that point. But then as you start progressing, the better you get, the the more you realize, the better you can get. Exactly. So exactly. you realize, you see where you are and you're like, oh, I could be so much better. And then at a certain point, like for me, I go, okay, jazz in my 60s. You know, so it's like, this is, I've got it all. You know, it, it never ends. Yeah. You can just keep going and going until your body won't allow you to do mm-hmm. it anymore. Right. But you can play music or do do what you want, you know, as an older person. It's like martial arts. The better you get, the further you realize that you still yes. have to Ooh, go. I have a long ways to go. Yeah. Exactly. Sean Bernard, before we get to this next song, because I could sit and talk to Barb all damn day, which I'm on the verge of doing. Before we get to this <laughs> next song, uh, we do have to mention that Sean Bernard, in addition to being my partner and my friend, is also uh, a realtor for Edina Realty, 50th and France location. What's the word, Hummingbird? Uh, it's busy. It's really busy. I've got a few closings coming up next week and uh, some people that are looking at uh, buying and selling here shortly in the next couple of months, looking in a very, very specific area of Shoreview, <laughs> which can happen sometimes where people are like, I don't want a split level, even though that was there were only split levels built in that area right. for about 15 years. I'm going to need to be in this one and a half block <laughs> radius. kind of it. No split entries, even though the only thing they have yeah. are split entries. And he's a radio guy. We'll share his oh, name later. Good. Oh, no, let, yeah, Let's not yeah. shame anybody, cause especially since there might be a sale hanging exactly on the line. Exactly right. So, My favorite thing about Sean is yeah. Sean is intelligent. Sean is smart. My favorite thing you're doing in this day and age is with every sale or buy, you're donating a portion of your proceeds to a local artist of the buyer or seller's choice. Yeah, you get to choose. Uh, in one of my uh, buyer's case, he's like, I don't n- I don't know that I could pick one. Will you pick one for me? I'm like, well, I'm going to give you a list of 10 local artists. 
you still get to decide right. who, who you want to pick, and then we'll donate the money to them. What's been really cool is that it's not a huge amount of money, but hopefully it's enough to you know pay a bill or two. And coming off COVID, I don't. It's think, just cool. I don't These think artists picky. all yeah, they all reach back out and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so kind of you guys to to right. think of me." So I'm just I'm going to keep doing it as long as I possibly can. But if you know somebody that's in the market to buy or sell, six one two eight five nine two five nine four. That number is also textable. Very much like this podcast, Sean is a community-oriented individual, and he literally is putting his money where his mouth is. So if you're in the market, go back and grab that number and give it a listen. We have gone far too long without a song, Barb. We need to get another song in right here. Um, So when I first saw this song, I don't know much about Graham Central Station. When I saw that it was called Hair, I was like, oh my God, the title track from my favorite musical of all time. But I didn't remember Graham Central Station (laughs) doing it. I was very wrong about that, but I listened to it, and the philosophy is not entirely different than right, that though. totally yeah just funkier uh-huh. it's a funky version it's much of that funkier. And, and when you you listen to it you probably knew why i picked it it's yeah. a kick-ass bass line it's incredible no i, I and knew i that, love playing it i knew I, it was again. gonna be bass heavy so when do you so you said you'd never get to play what's going on like donny hathaway and you, you actually put out the bat signal do you get to play this one no, again, I keep raising my hand and whatever. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, can we play hair? And- I, I know you play with a ton of cool people. I mean, obviously, lately and most uh, most noteworthy has been with Turn, Turn, yeah. Turn, right? I mean, playing with Savannah and Adam. And it's fantastic and critically acclaimed. But, I mean, you need to surround yourself with some funksters. I got to play funky music. Uh, you got to get out there and make White it happen, girl. right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So tell, tell me why this song in particular, just because it's funky as hell. Uh, it's the most fun bass part to play. Larry Graham is awesome and i didn't know about this this group either so i think this album came out in 1974 mm-hmm. he he played with sly and the family stone wow. and um and he's just a, again another big influence in terms of bass jim anton is the person who kind of turned me on to all this um so yeah if, honestly if i can't find a group to play these songs with i'm just gonna have a recital Barb's recital as an adult. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Which I actually was thinking about doing all the songs that I can never, I've never played out, but I'm going to play during a recital. of his hair. Even the 
blind can bear me to see What's outside you and inside me Down the high To the light A weak man's love Can be a strong man's drive Hi, it's the Brian Oak Show. That right there. Sorry. It's Cold been, ending. It's, it's Friday. It's been a very long week. I wasn't paying attention, and I might have been stuck in the middle of a yawn right there. Before we finish up our conversation with Barb Brinstead, I do want to mention Palmer's Bar over on the West Bank. Palmer's Bar ha- is back, and I, I don't know that anybody was more exuberant or more prepared to embrace the return of people coming out to see live music 
Then Tony Zaccardi and his entire staff over there, they launched things off on that beautiful patio right away. We've been out there before. Tonight, Friday, September 10th, Low Rats are going to be there. A lot of good stuff coming up on the way. Palmersbar.net is where you'll find the full rundown of all the music they have scheduled. For the rem- Pardon me. Everything okay at home? No, it's fine. You know what? Barb called it. She's like, those San Pellegrinos. It's, she said, I don't want to drink it's that. It's that devil burpy water. <laughs> she's like, I don't want to drink that. It's going to make me burp. And you know what? She's, she's exactly like right. No, everything's fine at home. Thank you very much. Anyway, there are some great shows coming up at Palmer's, palmersbar.net. So, Barb, co COVID shut everything down, right? I mean, turn, 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 it's rolling, it's happening, boom, yep. everything gets shut down. And you've played with a lot of other people. I know that you have a full-time career of your own to begin with, but music is clearly a huge part of your life. COVID shuts down. How do you react? What happens? So we were lucky. I mean, we released an album during mm-hmm. the pandemic. We weren't sure if we wanted to hold it or not, and we decided to go ahead and release it, which is, I think, the best decision we made because... We had very little competition. <laughs> there True. Wasn't, I mean, seriously, we and we played. We played a lot. We mostly at Ice House or other venues where they so it was outside mm-hmm. and they we were socially distanced. But we were we were playing a lot compared to a lot of bands. So it's kind of funny this summer where like there's so many shows happening and we're competing with um, there are a, a dozen things going on any given night when last summer it was like us and maybe another band maybe yeah right so um but yeah no we had a, actually a good year it was a really good year for us well and see that makes me happy but also i don't want you to sell the band short because very few bands even though you may have had very little competition come to the table with a pedigree that you and adam and savannah have i mean all of you well respected in your mm-hmm. own rights coming together I know that people some sort sometimes cringe at the term supergroup, yeah. but it really is kind of a supergroup, and it was universally acclaimed locally and mm-hmm. nationally, even internationally. Everybody loves the record, and everybody loves the band, and rightfully so. So you, I just I can't let you sell yourself that short. Okay. Like, oh, okay. we we just had no competition. <laughs> oh, also you're all awesome, and you happen to work well together, which is not always the case with that. Was it natural immediately? How did it? How did it even start? What was the, yeah, what was the so very we, first thing? We started as a cover band. Uh, I think I met Adam in 2018 through his brother Noah, who I'd played mm. with. Or no, it was George Scott McKelvey, but mm-hmm. I'd played with Noah. Uh, and Adam wanted to put together this um, close harmony uh, cover band, 60s and 70s Laurel Canyon inspired mm. type of music. So we played with his daughter, Ava, actually. That was the first show we had. And then she couldn't continue or didn't want to. Uh, you know, playing with dad. So, oh, I you know, yeah. she had her own thing. I have, a, I have a, a, a thing that I've always said over the years, like when my daughter was growing up, she's going to be 23 next month. But, you know, even though I was a cool dad, there was still lots of eye rolling and lots yeah. of exasperation, as I'm sure you've experienced. But my thing that I always said was like, look, even at Mick Jagger, at some point, his kids thought their dad was lame. Like, We're totally. That's, yeah. that's the way it works, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we recruited savannah who was the student of adams at one time uh when he taught at i believe it was ipr and we played a, a show and we really liked each other and it clicked and then we played another show and i remember at a certain point adams said i, I know this is gonna work obviously he's been around the block he, mm-hmm. he knows when things are gonna do well or not and so and we just had fun and pretty early on he invited us to make an album uh, it was going to be a solo album, but he said, hey, why don't we make this a turn, turn, turn album? 
and we had a great time recording it in uh, St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin at um, Jason Shannon's place, Zoo School, I think is what it's called. Anyway, uh, and it just was magical. So it's really been great. We're working on our second album. We don't, you know, we're, we're in the midst of recording them when we can. We're all very busy now. So I'm not sure when it's going to come out, hopefully next year. But yeah, we still really like each other. We have fun and we like um, we like clothes as much as we like music. So half the fun of this band is deciding what we're going to wear <laughs> for the next gig. If you don't believe Barb, go ahead and go to the Internet and look up Turn, Turn, Turn Band and then click on Images. I, the combination of, like you said, Laurel Canyon, groovy psychedelic 60s, Little House on the Prairie, fun European hats. I mean, it, yeah. It's really, it's, and none of that's inaccurate, is it? Right. It's no, all it over is. the map. It's a, we just, and Savannah, uh, she has a, a vintage clothing store in Eau Claire. That would explain a couple yeah. of things, right? So, and, and uh, we know Adam loves his hat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a hat guy. Yeah. Not a, I, also not afraid of a scarf every once totally. in a while. I, I mean, I've become a hat person. I was afraid of hats. I thought they made my head look like a peanut. But, <laughs> but um, Savannah and Adam have convinced me otherwise. Uh, anyway, yeah, we just, we get along great. We, we, we really love each other. We have a lot of fun. And I think most importantly, from a music fan's perspective, you talk about those close harmonies. In a studio, anybody can do that, right? I mean, you just do as many takes as you need. You auto-tune things if you have to. You move the actual wave file if you need to get it really dialed in. But pulling it off live is a very different animal, in my humble opinion. So watching bands that can do close harmonies Mm -hmm. live, there's nothing quite like it. Before we say goodbye, Barb, and um, hear a song by Turn, 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 I want to thank one more time our sponsor, Smart Start MN. Got to thank Forgotten Star Brewing. Don't forget, we're going to be back there in one week's time to help them kick off Oktoberfest. Thanks to Palmer's Bar. Thanks to AudioQuip, who have outfitted the Smart Start MN studio with all this lovely equipment that we have in here. We couldn't do it without them. And if you, like Turn, 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 and many other bands are getting back out there, whether you're playing a local gig, a big show, doing a TED Talk, contact our friends at AudioQuip, because Nate and his crew are about as cool as it gets. Yes, Please contact them. They want to upgrade our equipment, by the way. Upgrade it to what? I don't know. I'm like, do we get any better? Is it going to be, is it gonna like be like radio all based on lasers? What's it? <laughs> I, I hope not. I, I don't know. I'm kind I'm of afraid exc- of the lasers. <gasps> lasers. <laughs> Are we going to get helmets like Daft Punk? Yes. Okay, good, good. <laughs> then I'm excited about the upgrade. Anyway, we'll talk more about that another time. But thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to our Patreon members and all the guests we've had. And very shortly, once we get past the madness of this next week, Sean and I are going to start putting our heads together about our next Patreon event, and we'll figure something out for the not too distant future. I'm meeting future. with somebody Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. to discuss our next Patreon event. I guess my phone must be broken because I hadn't heard about you it. You don't like the business meetings. Well... <laughs> That's actually very true. Let me know when it's all set up. Barb, um, <laughs> is Turn, Turn, Turn getting back out there? I mean, it looks like on here it says you have a show this weekend yeah, so, in Superior, Wisconsin. Yep, tomorrow we're playing at a festival. Um, then the next Saturday we're opening for Soul Asylum. Um, I don't think, did I, is that on the website? It says I'm, Concert on the Lawn in Maple it. Grove. Yes, exactly. that's it. 
I, that's literally a block from where my parents live. They're like, you know, every once in a while, there's really big bands yeah. over here. And I'm like, like who? They're like, I don't know, Soul Asylum. I'm like, oh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of slows down a while. I'm going to have to go back to my, my notes and see when All we're right. playing next. But the website is the best source of information so long as I have my act together and am updating it. Well, those two shows are on here. So, so far, so good. People right. can come out and see you live this weekend or next. And please get on that funk band because Sean and I both got a little too excited about the possibility. Yes, you All do. Right. I'm going to go home and play that hair song. <laughs> Alright, but right now, to wrap up this particular episode of the Brian Oak Show, we're going to hear this particular song, My Turn, Turn, Turn. Tell me why, of all the songs your band has done together, why you picked this one. This is my favorite song on our album. It's the last song. I think it, it works really well as the last song. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. when I look at the Spotify metrics, it gets the least number of listens. So I, I hope more people will hear it but I love this song. Adam wrote it. Um, I love playing on it. I love singing on it. Um, and that's why I chose it. It's, it's my favorite, my favorite song. too. Is it? It sure is. Yeah, oh. I'm really glad you picked it. Oh, good. All right. 